Hello, I'm Deborah Scales, Employment Lawyer at Clark's Legal, and in this podcast I'll be touching on 16 things you need to know about April's new IR35 rules. Number one, from April, businesses will become responsible for deciding the employment status of the contractors they engage through the contractor's own limited company, known as a personal service company or a PSC for short. These businesses will assume payee liability on the payments it makes for the contractor's services if it decides the contractor is really a disguised employee rather than a genuinely independent contractor. These changes, known as the off-payroll working rules and sometimes called IR35, will affect all medium to large private sector companies with a UK connection from the 6th of April 2021. Number two, the reason HMRC is imposing this extra burden on businesses is because it wants to clamp down on what it regards as tax avoidance. Owner directors of limited companies enjoy various tax advantages over employees, such as paying themselves minimum salaries and the rest as dividends on profits. The government wants to ensure that people who are really working like employees, but through their own limited PSC, broadly pay the same tax and national insurance contributions as people who are employed directly. Under the current system, the contractor's own PSC is responsible for deciding the deemed employment status of the contractor it hires out to its business clients. If the contractor would be regarded as an employee if engaged directly by the client rather than engaged through their PSC, the IR35 rules say the contractor should be taxed as an employee. The contractor will be inside IR35, which means they have to pay tax and national insurance on a par with employees. You'll have spotted that the owner-director of the PSC currently making the decision about the contractor's deemed employment status and the contractor themselves are virtually always one and the same person. It's usually therefore in the best interests of this individual to deem the working relationship with the business client as not being akin to an employment relationship. That puts the contractor outside of the AR35 rules, allowing them to retain the tax advantages of the genuinely self-employed contractor. Under the current system, there are also advantages to the business client in agreeing with the contractor's assessment that they are not a disguised employee. For example, the business saves the 13.8% on the Class 1 national insurance contributions it pays on an employee's salary and potentially on other employment-related costs too. HMRC have estimated that there is about 80% non-compliance with the IR35 rules in the private sector. That's why HMRC is now shifting responsibility for determining employment status to the end user, medium and large business client. Since IR35 came into effect in the public sector in 2017, HMRC have collected millions more in tax and national insurance contributions. Number three, HMRC defines a medium or large company as one which meets two out of three of the following three tests. One, an annual turnover of more than £10.2 million. Two, a balance sheet total of more than £5.1 million. And three, more than 50 employees. 
groups of companies are combined for this test. Number four, the best place for a business to start in determining a contractor's employment status is by answering the questions on HMRC's online CEST tool. CEST stands for Check Employment Status for Tax and it was introduced in 2017 to help employers, workers and hirers determine how work being done should be determined for tax purposes. CEST was updated in December 2010, so if you ran the test before then, you may want to run it again. Number five, it only takes around 10 minutes or so to complete CEST online in respect of each contractor and the result in an estimated 80% of cases will be given by HMRC at the end. Although the actual inputting of data is quick and easy, HMRC formally warns businesses that they must take all reasonable care when assessing employment status. The answers inputted into CEST must be a true reflection of the actual working relationship with the contractor and therefore some advanced preparation time might be required. This is especially so for businesses who may assign the task of running the CEST tool for many contractors it engages to one person or department, for example in a procurement or accounts, and these departments may not have the necessary knowledge of the true working relationship. Number six, HMRC has stated that it will stand by its CEST determination unless it is found to be inaccurate or the results have been achieved, uh, achieved through contrived arrangements designed to get a particular outcome. That would be treated as deliberate non-compliance, which could attract penalties. Number seven, using CEST is anonymous and HMRC, they won't store your data. Number eight, CEST works best on the more straightforward cases. If it delivers an undetermined results, businesses will need to make their own determination. This is probably one of the most challenging parts of the processes and most businesses will want to involve their HR departments and or their legal advisors to help them make that determination. There is no straightforward test to determine whether someone is genuinely self-employed and in its official employment status manual, HMRC lists 13 separate indicators which should be taken into account. Even the courts themselves remain resolutely non-committal. In one leading tax case, the Court of Appeal warned against running through the list of indicators in a mechanical fashion, checking them off to see if they're in, in, they are present. Instead, the court tells us that we must stand back from the detailed picture was, that's been painted so as to make a, a qualitative and informed decision. So that's helpful. Fortunately, there are some indicators which are nearly always more important than others, such as personal service, mutuality of obligations, substitution control and financial risk. This is especially so when these factors are combined together. For example, the fact that an individual has to provide personal service to the business client, cannot appoint a substitute to provide that service in their place, is subject to a large degree of control by the business and doesn't bear any real financial uh, loss if the work they provide is substandard. All that points to an employment situation. 
the opposite, and especially where financial risk and substitution are involved, suggest genuine self-employment. Number nine, once the business has made a decision about its contractor's employment status, it must give a copy of what's called their status determination statement, or SDS for short, to the contractor and their PSC. Sometimes the contractor's PSC will provide its contractor's services through an agency, which is another intermediary in the chain of engagement. In that case, the business client must give a copy of their SDS, Status Determination Statement, to the agency. Number 10, businesses don't have to follow a set formula for its Status Determination Statement, but it must set out reasons for its business decision. Where businesses want to rely on the outcome from the CES tool, they can send a copy of the questions and answers produced during the online test, and this will qualify as a valid SDS. Number 11, there are deadlines by which businesses must send their status determination statements to the contractor and its PSC or its agency. For existing contracts, the SDS must be issued before the first payment under the contract on or after 6 of April 2021. For new contracts, status should be determined before services are performed under the contract and ideally before the contract is signed. This is because the deemed employment status is likely to affect negotiation of the contract price. Number 12, the contractor and their PSC may object to their business client's status determination status. In that case, the business client must respond within 45 days of the objection, either confirming its original determination and giving its reasons for doing so, or reversing its original decision, giving the date from which the new status determination applies and confirming that its previous status determination status statement is withdrawn. Further details on the dispute resolution process will follow in further podcasts. Number 13, once the business contractor, uh, once the business client and the contractor have agreed the st status determination status, that won't be the end of the story if the contractor goes on to provide a different set of services or is moved on to a new project by the client. Each contract with the same contractor must be reviewed separately. That is because it's possible for the contractor to be providing some services to their client as a deemed employee, but provide different services to the same client as a genuinely independent contractor. Number 14, if a business makes a mistake about a contractor's employment status, HMRC have confirmed that. During this first year, it won't impose inaccuracy penalties unless there is deliberate non-compliance. HMRC has also reiterated its pledge not to use information under the off-payroll working rules to open IR35 investigations from earlier years. Number 15, the classification of a contractor as a deemed employee for tax purposes won't confer any employee rights on the individual. Number 16, 
If contractors must therefore lose the tax advantages they enjoyed when classified as self-employed, they may also object to being denied the benefits and protections of being a real employee. When businesses end contracts, it is possible they may start to receive employment tribunal claims from contractors they've engaged for two or more years, uh, such as claims for unfair dismissal or redundancy pay. This can theoretically happen and could happen because of the differences in the legal tests used by HMRC and the employment tribunals when determining employee status and rights. If businesses and contractors are going to be re renegotiating contracts in light of these new IR35 rules, they may wish to take legal advice about the provisions in a contract that will point to employee status, such as those involving mutuality of obligation, substitution and control. If you'd like more advice about IR35 or a written copy of my Q&A, please contact us on 0118 or email contact at clarkslegal.com or visit our website also at clarkslegal.com. Thank you for listening.